Scripture says that there's salvation in no one else. There's no other name that has been given among men by which we must be saved, and that's the name of Jesus. It's, that's it. Jesus is God's plan A and God's only plan for salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. I hope your favorite team won yesterday. Mine didn't. But that's okay. Some of you know I went to Penn State University. I called it State Penn. and was paroled after four years with a degree in meteorology, but I enjoy watching them try to beat Ohio State, maybe someday. Well, we're continuing in this series called Keys to Finishing the Mission. <clears throat> and this sermon is entitled, Here I Am, Send Plank. And we'll look at that a little more uh, later. Uh, I want to look at a scripture, though, a wonderful, powerful scripture. As we're seeing about the holiness of God, this theme continues in this passage out of Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. And if you would follow along with me on the screen as I read. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord. This is Isaiah speaking, who was, by the way, the first cousin of King Uzziah. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim, which were these mighty, fiery angels, awesome, stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies, the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the, the voice of that angel was so loud that the foundations of the thresholds trembled at his voice while the temple was filling with smoke. Can you imagine if something like that happened here this morning? It would never work. The fire alarms would go off and people would leave tragically but holy 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 is the Lord of hosts he remains so and I believe that here in our midst are holy angels whether they're a seraphim or not I don't know but there are angels here in our midst and they will minister as God directs them now Isaiah's reaction here is he says then I said woe is me for I am ruined he thought he was going to die because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Now, it's interesting because before the cleansing of his mouth, and he was a foul-mouthed man, became one of the greatest prophets ever. And I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but those who know Hebrew say the Hebrew in Isaiah is absolutely exquisite. So a man of unclean lips becomes a great proclaimer of truth. But he couldn't hear the voice of God until the cleansing took place. And then it says... Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I, that's Isaiah, said, Here am I, send me. 
You know, um, in this third in the series of, of missionary and missions messages, I want to try to bring the great task of reaching the world for Jesus down to us as individuals. What is God saying to us? You know, I first heard the clarion call to go to another culture back when I was at the tender age of 26. 42 years ago? Seems like another lifetime. Um, In 1979, the Jesus film was produced uh, by Genesis uh, Productions. And it was a film, is a film, uh, on the the Gospel of Luke, on the life of Jesus. And they started immediately translating it from English into other foreign languages. And so uh, I had an opportunity to go with a whole bunch of people, hundreds of people, college kids and all this, uh, in uh, 1980 to the Philippines. And the central part of the island of Luzon, which is the same island where Metro Manila is, is where we took this uh, version. And so we had the old big projectors and the reel-to-reel you know, kind of thing. We carried the uh, films with us, and we had a big sheet which we hung up out in the, uh, in the boondocks. By the way, that's a, that's a Filipino word, boondocks, the boonies. It comes from Tagalog, and it means mountains. And the GIs brought it back from World War II. There's a little bit of extra information that you weren't expecting today. Um, anyway, who cares, Rich? Okay, so anyway, so we, we put this screen out, and, and people would sit on both sides and be able to watch it. Now, my job uh, as projectionist was to make sure the film was going, and we had two reels and all that kind of stuff. I had an assistant projectionist. Now, I want you to imagine this for a minute, because we were out there in the sticks, out in the middle of nowhere. There's no power. There's no light, anything. We brought our own generators, uh, and so we do that. So here we are, and we start the film, and there's light at night. Every moth within 100 miles came flying towards the projector and the screen, uh, and so the assistant projectionist was trying to ward off the bigger ones as they're coming in. See that old Japanese movie, Mothra? That was sort of what we were thinking here, you know, and and so... uh, we had to do that uh, because if the bugs would get on the film, it could scratch it. And in fact, they would land on it and get wrapped up in it. And so the next morning, painstakingly, every day, we had to get out and go through every inch of those films with a chemical to remove the dead, dried bugs. So uh, hopefully things are a little easier doing it now. Uh, but we had a great time. And, and to look back and say that, that portion of geography, that part of the world, in that time, 40-some years ago, we, we saw that area reached with the gospel of Jesus. We saw hundreds of people come to Christ, and we had uh, those who spoke Tagalog or Ilocano, whatever language we were using, they, they would come, the pastors would share, and people would come to faith and all that stuff. We had uh, great times. You know, We would watch the film, and you might remember in the Gospel of Luke where Peter denies Jesus three times, and then a rooster crows. Well, when the rooster would crow on the film, all the roosters in the the village would crow. So they sort of got into the movie. Um, uh, One time we were watching it, and my friend asked me, he said, you think the film's going a little fast tonight? I said, oh, seems reasonable to me. And then then we got to the place where John the Baptist was baptizing, and it was kind of like this, doosh, 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 doosh. I think maybe it is going a little bit fast tonight, but... um, 
But that was my first opportunity to go, and uh, I left my sweat in the Philippines. Gallons and gallons of it, I'm sure. Uh, but it was an incredible, incredible experience. Now, as we talk about the whole idea of going, going on into all the world, making disciples of all nations, which is the mandate from Jesus, you know, uh, and you think about your own self. Now, there's, there's a lot of very legitimate reasons why God may not be calling you as an individual to go. Maybe you have debilitating uh, illnesses or, or disabilities. Uh, maybe you're taking care of uh, of people that require your assistance and you're not able to go. In some cases, uh, some folks are so loaded down by debt that they're really not uh, able to go. But uh, I, I think that there are a lot of concerns uh, and obstacles that come into our mind when we think about, here am I, Lord, send me. Now, and I want to address those a little bit today. Uh, the first one is what I call in the realm of personal preferences. This one we hear a lot about people when they think about going on missions. I don't want to raise support. <laughs> uh, I don't like the idea of going around and begging for money. It sounds too demeaning to me to go up to people and to pressure them to somehow give to me. You know, it sounds selfish, all that kind of stuff. Well, I've been doing it for 46 and a half years. And to be honest with you, um, I don't, you know, it's not my most favorite thing to do in ministry. But I've done it, and I've seen God do uh, amazing things. And mission agencies train you in how to do this and, and how to present your vision. See, here's the difference in perspective. Would you please give money to me because I'm a poor missionary and I need money versus here's where I'm going. I'm investing my life in the kingdom of God. Why don't you join up with me and partner with me and, and pray and give, and together, let's do this. You know, it's, it's an invitation to partnership. It's an invitation to be involved with the Great Commission when maybe you're not necessarily called to go long-term, but others are, and we can invest uh, in their lives and in their ministries. It's a, it's a tremendous, tremendous thing. Um, if you're interested in a short-term project through the church here, uh, New Life will significantly help you financially. You know, so that's... Uh, that's a burden that they don't want you to bear, and they'll help you to maybe raise uh, some of that. It's good to have people who are praying for you, and the Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Uh, the way I look at it is where your treasure is, there your prayers are also. So the people that invest financially and surely in my ministry pray for us, and that's, that's really, really cool. Um, also, if you're looking long-term, the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention uh, covers the salaries of their missionaries. They don't have to raise support. That's one avenue if you're thinking longer term. But, but I do want to encourage you that <clears throat> God can do amazing things uh, through trusting him with finances. Uh, back when we were transitioning from our old ministry, Freedom of Christ Ministries, to TEAM, the Evangelical Alliance mission that we work with now, it was right when the pandemic was hitting and getting a stranglehold on America. It was like April to June of 2020. Remember those lovely days? And we had to raise a significant amount of financial support. I said, Lord, I can't think of a worse time in history to raise support. We can't even go to people and see them, and, and we couldn't. So we did it by Zoom. How many of you wish you had invested in Zoom stock right there? Well, you know, the amazing thing was, in that two-month period from April to June of 2020, we saw 
more support come in at a faster pace than any other time in 47 years of ministry. Is God big? God can do anything. You know, so what we thought was a major obstacle was no big deal for God. Well, the next complaint we might have or the concern is I'm young. I'm just getting started in my career. I'd like to find a marriage partner and raise a family. <clears throat> Legitimate desires and all that. Uh, this is really a question of trust. Can God do that in another place in addition to here? Can God find me the person that I want to spend my life with in another culture potentially? Or from someone from my culture who actually I meet over there. This happens all the time. It's a heart test to determine how much does God love me? How much is he able to be trusted with these fundamental decisions of life? We'll talk more about trust in a little while. Um, another, another objection we might have is that, well, there's so much here to do in the States. Excuse me, there's so much here in the States that I love. I really don't want to give all that up. That's a pretty honest, <laughs> you know, admission, you know. Um, do I want to give up what is comfortable uh, and familiar for that which is uncomfortable and unfamiliar? It's a, another gut check. I uh, found this article, uh, Mission to the World, MTW, is the mission agency of the uh, Presbyterian Church of America, PCA. Uh, and this is a, a short uh, uh, account from a young lady. Uh, she says, when I first said I would go to Uganda with MTW for the summer, I was excited beyond words. But as I wandered further and further into a season of doubt and distance from God, my excitement shrunk a tiny bit more each day. Why? Well, first, I wondered why I chose to spend the whole summer away from my family. I could have been saving up money, spending time at home, passing the days, visiting coffee shop after coffee shop, but instead, I chose to go to Uganda. Second, I felt so far from God. Not a brief dry patch, but months and months of doubt accumulating so that each day was a growing struggle to believe what I had always known. I knew, I knew deep down that this trip would force me to face all my feelings of doubt from the past several months. I knew in Uganda I couldn't, I couldn't continue pretending I had it all together. Someone would know. I knew. Last, I knew this trip would give me clarity on what I really need to do in my life. By that way, that's a great purpose for a vision trip of going for a little while. Lord, what are you calling me to do? It gives you a great opportunity to see what it might be like. For the last few months leading up to the internship, I constantly reframed what I wanted to do, saying overseas work or living abroad, instead of saying what it really was, that is missions. I knew. And here I am with a few, only a few weeks later change. And this is how she concludes. God has used this trip, these people, and this place so radically to change my heart. I am infinitely grateful for each moment that led up to this. Even in the trials, even in the doubt, God used it all to lead me where I am now. Uh, and, and so uh, the, the reality is that you may go someplace and find that you really like it there, that there are things there that you think, this is better for me. This is better. I really love this, the way they do stuff over here. Uh, so uh, I would say, don't take it as a, oh, maybe I should do this, but an adventure, an adventure. 
what an opportunity. Uh, I think about that gap year between high school and college or right after college or, or whatever it might be. Consider going someplace. Connect with Youth with a Mission, for example. Their discipleship training schools last five, six months. Laura Beth Rimmer was here in the early service, and you can talk to her about that. And they have them all over the world. I mean, wouldn't it be cool to spend six months in New Zealand or something and have an opportunity to go on a mission trip from there? This is, this is an opportunity sometimes of a lifetime for you to, uh, to invest your life in, in short-term missions. Um, Jeff Pott is here. He's with HELPS, which is a ministry that works with missionaries all over the world. Talk to him and say, what opportunities are there? You know, it, it, it takes a little bit of gumption. I think it's very fascinating that when, uh, remember when Moses saw the burning bush, you know, uh, there it was, out there in the middle of nowhere, uh, burning. And it, the, the account in Exodus 3 says, Moses says to himself, hmm, I will go see why this bush is burning, but not burned up. And, and so I guess after 40 years in the wilderness with just sheep, you talk to yourself a lot. Uh, and so he did. Uh, and he went over there. But interesting, it says, when God saw that he turned aside to go to the bush, then he spoke. Isn't that interesting? You know, you'll hear a message here that may challenge you and say, yeah, this is maybe something I should consider, but will you turn to go listen to God and say, Lord, I'm willing to think about this as an opportunity. So um, take that, what the Lord might be saying. Okay, um, spiritual maturity or competency concerns is the next category. There we go. And, and one of the ones is, you say, well, I'm not spiritual enough. Well, I think it's fascinating that when God called Isaiah, he was a man of unclean lips, and he lived among a people of unclean lips. He wasn't exactly the Apostle Paul or something at that time. He had a long way to go. And God turned a man who had such a foul mouth into this incredible, incredible prophet. You know, so, you know, don't sell yourself short. Uh, mission agencies, <coughs> excuse me, are also very skilled uh, when you contact them. They'll bring someone alongside to talk with you, to pray with you, to discuss where you're at. They have all kinds of ways uh, to determine the uh, emotional, psychological, and spiritual maturity of people. Um, they'll work with you on that. You may say, well, I, I don't, I'm not a very old Christian. I haven't been a Christian for that long. Well, find someone to disciple you. There are men and women all over this congregation who have walked the journey, and you can spend time with them and grow. Don't moan about your spiritual immaturity. Do something about it. Get someone to help you. Well, uh, I want to share a video from uh, someone from South Asia that I got to know, and she's going to talk a little bit about what it takes to be a successful missionary on the field. I'm here with Corinne. She's originally from Kansas and has spent nine years in South Asia, and I've asked her to comment on the subject of what, uh, what it takes to really become a successful and be a successful uh, foreign missionary. So, uh, Corinne, tell us your thoughts. Yeah, um, I won't talk so much about what it becomes to, or what it takes to become a successful missionary, but I think in order to be successful on the field, one of the most important things is flexibility. Um, what we found is almost every single person that has come here has not ended up doing the things that they thought they were going to do in the end. 
them, and that can be really frustrating. Most of us that come here are very accomplished people. Um, we are the chiefs and not the Indians. You know, we're the ones that um, are willing to kind of blaze the trail and go out, and we have all of these plans and ideas about what we want to do. And for almost all of us, it has looked very different than that. And the ones that have made it and stayed in the field have maintained that flexibility um, and just realizing that God can use us every minute wherever we're standing, even if we're, we don't know what we're doing sometimes, and to just wait it out um, and wait for him to reveal his plan. And I would say the second most important thing is humility. Um, and God will give you that, whether you want him to or not. Um, the thing also speaking about not um, knowing what you're going to do. And, you know, most of us were the chiefs, and wherever we were, we were the ones that knew the most. We were the head of everything. We were on every committee. We were in charge of everything. And you come here, and you are no one. You don't know the language. You don't know the culture. You don't understand what's going on. Everything you've given up in the U.S. or wherever you're from is continuing um, without you. You weren't that important. And you are really stripped of everything that was your identity or you thought was your identity before. And then all you are is God. Um, and that can be a really humbling, humbling thing to remember. So. Yeah. Rodney tells me that when they uh, talk to folks here about, <coughs> excuse me, possible short-term uh, missions, they talk about flexibility, humility, and teachability. Those are important qualities that we need in our life wherever we are, and God is able to bring those to maturity uh, in us. Um, so if you have any interest at all, uh, do see Rodney. Rodney will be up here afterwards. I'll be up here afterwards. We can talk with you about and even set up another time to say, well, what about a short term? What about midterm? Short term is usually uh, from one or two weeks to eight months. Midterm maybe uh, nine months to two years, something like that and then longer term uh, after that. So there's all different opportunities, and, uh, and God is looking for uh, a lot of good men and women. Well, sometimes we complain a little bit to the Lord, say, so, well, I don't really have anything to offer uh, people overseas. You know, I, I don't know what I would do or what I could do. Uh, let's hear from Becky, and she tells her story about that. So we're here this morning with Becky, who's been in South Asia for 35 years, originally from the state, great state of Michigan. And I've asked her to comment a little bit this morning on uh, how she discerned her call uh, into cross-cultural work, uh, and also specifically how she discerned where, where in the world God was calling her to go. So uh, Becky, why don't you share your heart? Great, thanks. I, I really feel blessed because the Lord really moved in me when I was very young in my situation to give me the desire to go into missions from the time I was actually a kid. I say it's because I'm so stubborn he had to grab me early before so I could clunk in there, but it was a blessing. And I actually chose my nursing as a profession with interest in going into medical missions and for that purpose. Um, and so it was really more the then looking where and how and, and where God wanted me. And so even at the end of college, by the end of college, I was starting to pray about, you know, where does God want me to go, what mission to go with, what, what do I want to do. And as I prayed about that, I gradually got a couple convictions of kind of an outline of what I wanted and a place that I wanted that really needed both my medical as well as needed the, the 
spiritual input. And I really wanted, preferred rural. So <laughs> it was a combination of things. And then all of a sudden, it was, I went to Urbana Missions Conference and was just looking around and I heard about the country. For the first time, I really hadn't even realized what it was. And I, I just thought it was kind of interesting. And then after that, that name, that country kept coming up over and over in the, in the rest of the years. Um, in different ways and shapes and forms. And gradually, as I looked at that in the options with the group that I chose, then God just took me more and more in that direction. And um, I actually went for just two years to start with, but God kept me on here all these years. So um, God made it clear. Becky is on a research visa in a country in South India, and she actually is doing research on <coughs> on people who are uh, suffering from leprosy uh, in that country. Uh, Corinne, who uh, spoke before, actually serves in the ministry of helping uh, girls get out of the sex trafficking uh, industry. Now, I, I think it's interesting that <coughs> the, the first thing, uh, well, the first couple things when Moses was challenged by God to go, you know, uh, God says, you know, I've seen the affliction of your people, uh, of my people, and um, I'm going to come down, I'm going to come and rescue them, and by this time, you know, Moses is real excited about this, you know, this sounds like, great, Lord, finally, you're going to do something, and then God says, I'm going to send you. Whoa, 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 and, and his first question is, who am I? You know, and God says, I'll be with you. And then later on, he says, I, I'm not a good speaker. You know, I've never been a good speaker. I'm slow talking. I'm not eloquent. In fact, he says, even since you started talking with me, I haven't gotten any better either, Lord. Um, and, and so God says, who has made man's mouth? You know, God is able to take the raw material of us and whatever way he's gifted us and use us. Uh, and uh, even though church planting is still an incredibly powerful and fruitful way of reaching the lost around the world, uh, God is using people from all kinds of different vocations, uh, teachers, medical professionals. Talk to Terry Schmidt uh, about that, and, and Becky was one of those uh, business people. There, there are teams of business people going into countries in Africa and providing counsel for people how to start their own businesses there. Uh, construction workers, electricians, plumbers, carpenters, IT people. Your ears ought to just perk up the needs in the body of Christ for IT professionals is huge. I mean, almost every day uh, with our ministry with team, I'm aware of the fact we could use many, many more people uh, in IT. Uh, writers, musicians, all these. Uh, there's just about uh, just anything that you can do, uh, God can use. Shirley, why don't you come on up? Uh, Shirley's partner with me in this uh, ministry with team. She's part-time, or I'm full-time, and so she's going to share what she does. Is that working? There you go. I think so. Good morning, everybody. Um, when Rich began in 2020, sensing this new direction that the Lord was lead, leading us, us in, um, and I have to admit I was a little bit nervous at first, but here we are two years later. And um, one of the things, just the idea I had was that, well, maybe I could have a role in encouraging the missionaries and praying for them, sending them emails. And like Rich said at the beginning, not everybody can go. Some of you have commitments at home, and Rich and I are very blessed to still have our son Luke with us, who I love hanging out with. And um, 
but I can't just take off and travel around the world. So um, we found out as we joined the Ministry of Team and we got placed in the member care department that the person that was overseeing the ministry to the missionary kids, who, which they also called TCK, third culture kids, really needed help. And she really needed help with the high school and college age. And we were Zooming one day and she said, yeah, usually I send out care packages. I just haven't been able to do that for the past couple of years. I said, well, I can help you with that. So um, I am sending out care packages to, we have about 20 college kids whose parents are on the mission field in different countries around the world and they're in various campuses. We have two in Canada and the rest are here in the U.S. And I have been sending them um, since February of 2021. That's when I started doing it, sending them a couple of care packages a year, a monthly check-in. I'm sending some devotionals um, via email. Anything I can to encourage them. Um, the most important thing I do is pray for them. I have all their campus schedules downloaded in my computer whenever I can figure out where it is. Um, and <laughs> so I know when they have finals, and I'm able to send them an email and say, I see you have finals coming up. But the most important thing I'm praying for is what we want to see with all of our kids is that they would really be sold out to the Lord. We all know that... Um, that raising our kids in church or raising kids on the mission field doesn't always mean that they're going to follow the Lord. So that's really my heart with them to, to really see that group of kids um, really wanting to follow the Lord with a whole heart. And I also um, am helping out with the high school kids. In this mission agency, the high school kids that we are in contact with are all on the mission field with their parents. Many are homeschooled, some are going, attending um, an international school, or there are also some Christian schools in different countries that they attend. But I'm also doing some uh, joint emails. There's several that I'm, of the girls especially, that I'm kind of in regular email contact with and praying about different things for them. So just, you know, just to encourage you, if, I mean, don't, we can't ever underestimate the power of prayer. And, of course, we don't always know the power of our prayers. And I'm just trusting that, you know, the Lord is is using them and, and that's something that we can all do as well as you know be in a situation where we can encourage people through letters emails whatever so yeah. <laughs> so we need moms we need grandmoms to help out we have these training events for new missionaries they bring their kids with them and they have to be as adults in meetings and someone has to watch their kids and surely did that in Dallas for um, uh, a while earlier this month you know uh, we have a thing called the Timothy network uh, it, with team where it's folks that are uh, generally seniors uh, retirement age or whatever and maybe they have some counseling experience maybe they don't uh, they just care about people maybe they've had overseas experience and all and they go and they are sort of assigned to a region of the world and they go make visits there uh, just to encourage the missionaries you know uh, there's all kinds of incredible things that can be done uh, for the Lord. Well, uh, the next one, the final one under this category of spiritual maturity or competency concerns is, I don't think I can handle the stress of learning a new language, adopting to a new culture and climate. I just think it would be too hard. This was my struggle. I went to the Philippines, all excited, in 1980, and then a couple months after Shirley and I got married in 1989, they challenged us to go, like for a couple years. I remember Shirley's first reaction was, I just got my curtains up. <laughs> you know, and we were 
in, outside of Philadelphia at that time. I was sick with the flu, so I took the letter and threw it in the trash. <clears throat> Didn't want any part of it. Um, in fact, I was saying, here am I, Lord, send John and Jenny. This was another couple that could have gone. Uh, and then Shirley, much to my chagrin, started to change and think maybe it was a good idea. I hate that. <laughs> Your wife starts to hear from the Lord before you do. Um, and, and I complained to the Lord, Lord, I, I gave gallons of my sweat to that nation in 1980. I don't want to go over there again. I hate hot, humid weather. I just hate it. And then I had this vision of my standing before God one day and the Lord saying to me, no, when you had the opportunity to go to the Philippines, why didn't you go? And I'm there going, because I don't like to sweat. <laughs> you know, I didn't think that was going to go over real well. You know, um, And so we went. And it was interesting because one of my complaints to God was, well, Lord, I feel called to the American church. I want to see revival and renewal come to the church in America. So what did God do? He sent me to the Philippines where I met and had an opportunity to experience the ministry uh, of Dr. Neil Anderson, Freedom in Christ Ministries. And all I can say is that there were a lot of unevangelized areas of my soul that God had to work on there. And his operating table was the Philippines. And so for 27 years, I worked with Freedom in Christ Ministries after that. Now, isn't that just like God? Send you halfway around the world to meet another American for something that you didn't even know that you needed. Well, that was my story. Well, let's look at family concerns for a few minutes as we begin to wrap this up. Uh, here's one comment. My family members have expressed opposition or at least sadness at the thought of my going overseas, and I don't think I should go against their wishes, especially those of my parents. So, you know, issues with family, it's really, really important stuff and really tough stuff at times. And so the mission coaches with team and other mission agencies are very, very sensitive to this. They'll pray with you. They'll talk through these things with you. Let me just say, parents, grandparents, if you've got uh, children or grandchildren that are considering going to the mission field, you know, be on their team. Pray with them. You know, don't discourage them. Uh, my, my mom and dad... <clears throat> uh, actually uh, lived in Philadelphia. They're both with the Lord now. But, uh, and Shirley and I were in the Philippines. At the same time, my brother, my only sibling, was in Hungary. So they had to undergo the sacrifice of not only not having their kids around for holidays and stuff like that, but also grandkids. My brother had um, elementary age children at that time. There are sacrifices. Yes, there are. There's no question about that. Uh, there's a scripture that I want to share briefly with you, though. It says... Um, out of Matthew 13, 44, shortest parable, I think, in the Bible, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. So the treasure is the kingdom of God and all that comes with that. Uh, and I was reading in a Lectio Day 365, Lectio 365 uh, app thing a few days ago, uh, and what they talked about was the treasure, uh, and selling everything to buy that field so you could get the treasure, the kingdom of God. And, and the, the point was, don't allow those who have never seen the treasure to stop you from buying the field. Sometimes 
it's unbelieving relatives. Um, sometimes it's those who just haven't seen the big picture of what God's doing around the world. And we want to be sensitive to them, but ultimately we have to obey God rather than men. That's not easy, but it's a choice. And so here's the encouragement. Just don't let people who haven't seen the treasure you've seen stop you from buying the field. It's worth everything. It's worth sacrificing everything for the kingdom of God. Another complaint might be, well, we have small children and we just foresee too many struggles and adjustments with them overseas, <coughs> excuse me, including uh, concerns about their education. We have missionaries that have kids going to Black Forest Academy in Germany and uh, Christian Academy uh, in Japan, in uh, Tokyo area. There's even a Christian school now in, in Kathmandu where I was recently. There are places for them. The, 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 the days of kids being shipped off to boarding schools and never seeing them again or not seeing them for another year or whatever, uh, those are over. Yes, there will be sacrifices, but I tell you what, God loves to pull together new families. Take a look at this picture. This is from our time in Nepal recently, and uh, this was like a family reunion uh, there with folks. And I think there's probably about eight kids there, if you look there. They run all over the place. We had um, uh, volunteers from Youth with a Mission, YWAM, that came in to watch the kids. God bless them. Uh, and, and so God has ways to make up for the sacrifices that we experience when we go. The, uh, I love this scripture in uh, Matthew, excuse me, Mark chapter 10, verses 28 to 31. Uh, Peter began to say to Jesus, well, see, we've left everything and followed you. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions, yes, often the case, and in the age to come eternal life, amen. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. This Thanksgiving, I'll be spending uh, the holiday with another part of my family. Uh, it was sad for our older sister, Mich oldest sister Michelle, oh, excuse me, oldest daughter Michelle, who I haven't seen in a couple years. Uh, and she was hoping all the family could be together at Thanksgiving, but I'll be in Taiwan, uh, leave November 15th, Lord willing, and be back December 1st. Um, but I told her, I said, you know, it's a different part of my family that I'll be with on that day. And plus, I'll get to see her at Christmas, you know, so that's okay. But, uh, you know, God makes up for the, uh, the sacrifices that we make. You know, uh, there's a video, we don't have opportunity to watch it here, of uh, Mark and Josie and their son, Rainier, who have been there for five years in South Asia. They told me about all the losses that they've experienced, also about the joys. There's both, it's up and down. Uh, the losses don't get any easier. Uh, I found out two, three days ago that Mark just lost his brother, suddenly died. Uh, and so they're flying back to the States for a month tomorrow. Uh, again, mission agencies that are solid will help people with these transitions. Folks, I used to think that 
that foreign missionaries were at the top of the Christian food chain. You know, um, they're human beings just like you and me. And they have problems, they have issues, they, they go through sacrifices, they have suffering. Uh, pray for Mark and Josie. Lord, we just pray for them right now, Lord. Give them calmness of heart. Help them with their little boy, Rainier, also. And as they go home to a devastated family, Lord, would you give them strength and comfort. And for that month they're home, Lord, use them. And then bring them back, Father. Because there's a sacrifice for those in the field, too, when people like Mark and, and Josie leave. Well, finally, the issue is of trust, uh, trust issues. Um, sometimes we're afraid that God will send us to some place where it's going to be dangerous and where it's going to be risky and people might be hostile to the gospel. You know, um, this isn't the way God works. It's not like, okay, I decide, Lord, to go to the foreign mission field and God says, put your hands behind your back, cuff them, ship them to North Korea tomorrow not the way it works there's a mission coach that will come alongside you they'll help you discern where to go they'll help you to understand the process there and where you'd like to go and where you might fit best and so you can leave these matters into God's hands but yes sometimes people are called to go to what we call red zone areas and we're very very careful uh, about protecting their identities um, here's the one that maybe I'll end with before we conclude uh, is the complaint that I'm too old. <laughs> well, Moses was 80, you know, when he took off back for Egypt. I was minding my own business on a sabbatical from Freedman Christ Ministries, 65 years old, and asking God what the next step might be. Uh, we didn't have the money to buy a house by the golf course or anything, so what's next, Lord? And the Lord led us into this brand new ministry with team where we've been now for a couple years. Uh, I'm having the opportunity now that COVID is releasing its grip a little bit around the world to, to go to Nepal, to go to Taiwan. I'll be going to Europe uh, next year as well. And it's like, I'm loving it. You know, this is what sort of my blood pumps for, you know? I, and, and I don't know about you, but I don't want to sort of slowly, you know, sink into the West or something as I gradually get older and decrepit or whatever, I want to accelerate to the finish line in Christ. And, and if I die somewhere where I'm preaching and all of a sudden, well, he's gone, you know, send him home, um, you know, that's okay. I know it's harder on the ones that are left. I don't want to be callous about that. And I'm not interested in dying anytime soon. I like to see my grandkids uh, grow up. But but I don't want to waste one minute of my life. You know, so, so this is a trust thing. Lord, can you take care of me? You know, uh, even at my age, I mean, I have migraine headaches, horrible things. My back goes out at inappropriate moments. Um, when I went to Nepal, I had so many people praying. Some of you were praying for my health. Thank you. I did not get sick for that whole trip. Even though I was on a 12-hour bus ride to go 120 miles, do the average speed on that one. You know, and most of the time it was like this. You know, I'm thinking I'm getting a chiropractic adjustment every five minutes here. <laughs> and when I came home, I succumbed to a cold, and I think it took me probably three weeks 
home to recover. That's sort of a good gauge of what uh, I can do. But um, I'm not too old. By the grace of God, I'll finish till the end. Let me finish with three challenges here as we, uh, as we conclude. And there's a lot more that can be said. Please come see us afterwards. Shirley and I will be up front. and Rodney will be here. He has all the answers. Chris Dillon likes to do that to people. He says, you know, if you have questions, email rhowell <laughs> at nlcca.org. You know, uh, but he really does. By the way, let me say this. This is our sending church. This is the church that hosts us and supports us. We feel very, very loved and supported by this church and by Rodney personally. He's a wonderful missions pastor. Uh, knows what he's doing. Well, here are the three challenges, and we've talked about them each week. The first one is pray. I want to invite you to join us Thursdays, 6 to 7 p.m. in the green room, which is just back there, uh, and we are just starting a new thing where we are adding to our prayer hour praying for unreached peoples. Um, uh, Joshua Project has them uh, available every day. They can come into your inbox and you can pray for people that are unreached. We do that in there. So if that's your heart, come join us for prayer. Uh, the scripture, final scripture I want to share is from Matthew uh, chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Powerful passage. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. Now watch this. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion, he felt compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, I want you to work an 80-hour week now instead of 40. I want you to double your efforts. Don't worry about sleep. Is that what he said? No, he doesn't say that. See, Jesus wouldn't do that. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In other words, Jesus sees the needs and is calling us to implore God to send more laborers. And I pray that some of those are here even this morning online or here in the auditorium. Secondly, give. New Life's annual Send Missions Offering is coming up on November 13th. We've been talking about that. You can give before, you can give after that, but that's sort of the big push. The final one after pray and give is go. And here's the core question for this morning. When the Lord throws out the question, whom shall I send and who will go for us? It's an invitation. And you say, here am I, Lord, send blank. Whose name will you put in that blank? Here's my encouragement. Give it a shot. Even if it's a short term of, for a week or two to go to another culture, why not right now, in your heart, put your name in that blank and mean it. Say to the Lord, here I am. Send me.